Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast. Today's going to be kind of a spontaneous publishing of podcast. And the reason I say that is Craig and I recently were invited to lecture or do a presentation at the Voices of Dentistry, which um, I really encourage everyone to go next year. It was a really neat event in the fact that it's one of the first dental events that I've been to where after all the presenters had completed, that everyone stayed around and like just collaborated and hung out in like the center room. And it was literally like 11 o'clock at night since we were in the West Coast. So it was Scottsdale. It's still nine o'clock, but it would, it would have been 11 o'clock for a lot of us East Coasters. And everyone was still around like podcasting and talking and sharing. But so anyway, it was a really cool exposure into what dentistry, the excitement was just was at an all time high. And I really encourage everyone to partake next year. That being said, this actually occurred in the conference itself. Craig and I had heard Brian Kaleo of Dykema speak on stage and he was talking about DSOs and future of dentistry and why you should have one. And, and obviously that's what his Dykema group does is they help dentists form DSOs. So Craig was in the process of contemplating doing it on his own practice and wanted to kind of approach him with some, with some conversation after, right, in, in the conference room that we were talking about that everyone was kind of sitting around collaborating with. Needless to say, we did not show up with like recording equipment. It was kind of funny. We both walked in the conference room and I see all these like banners and like all these podcast banners and like production equipment and lights. I was like, buddy, we didn't even show up with a microphone. This is not good, but it was kind of funny. So anyway, we get into this great discussion with Brian Kaleo. And what happens is Alan Mead is kind of sitting within earshot and was like, you guys, this is fantastic content. Let's get on and record this. And I looked at Alan and I said, Alan, it's going to have to be your equipment because we didn't bring anything. He said, no problem. So the four of us got on and what transpired was a pretty cool conversation. And it was uh, very educational for me as well as Alan, Craig, and and likely Brian. Hope you uh, enjoy the listen and we'll see you soon. Dental Hacks Nation, welcome. Uh, this is the this is the first interview we've done during the actual. Uh, the, okay, we have the alcohol here, basically. So this is the reception afterwards, and I want to welcome uh, basically the people that made it happen. Um, <laughs> I want to see your name, Brian Dan. Kaleo from Dykema. Thank okay, you so Dykema, much. Yeah. Dykema has paid for all of all of the food and drink here. Now, my first question before I introduce our other guests. It seems ironic to me that there is a lawyer paying for our alcohol. I'm wondering if there's some kind of an ulterior motive here. You know, the the, the only thing it is is we love Mark Costas at our, at our firm. We're the leading law firm in dental services. I've spoken at Mark's conferences a number of times. He speaks at our industry-leading DSO conference. Mark's been a great partner, and he told me he had an, you know an opportunity to sponsor you know the happy hour. So that's that's kind of. Do you what feel we're that doing. it's important that um, you're around dentists while they're drinking? That's what I really want to know. I mean, it's fu- it makes for some very interesting conversation. I, I honestly don't know if plying dentists with alcohol results in additional engagements. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that it really does, it but does, it's fun. because we're introverts at, at, at exactly. that right. Except Craig. He's not. I'm well, an extrovert. Okay, it definitely well, makes for some to the fun show also, Craig Spodak and Peter Bolden of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Glad man. Glad you're here. Man, okay, so here's the thing. 
Uh, you are basically a legal firm that works with DSOs. You guys are into the DSO thing. I'm a guy with a bunch of headphones, so please pick up where you left off. Yes, I think Give you need to talk about the genesis of how this happened. Okay. Literally, we were having a side conversation. And then Alan comes up like, holy shit, this is good. Do you want to borrow our equipment? And so we were diving deep into the minutia of why we should have a DSO. Mm -hmm. I was explaining to Brian that I already had a DSO. Mm -hmm. It was probably shit. And Craig was wondering, does he need one? Uh -huh. And then we got into the thing of, Brian was saying how, essentially, if we were looking at any kind of exit at the magnitude of the practices we have, mm -hmm. it was almost imperative to have one. Did I understand no, that? No, that's exactly right. We got into a little, you know, a, a little bit of a discussion where, uh, you know, one of those you can't handle the truth type conversations. I love where it. I said, you know, if you don't do a DSO and you're a doctor-owned dental practice, who can you sell to? Mm -hmm. And we kind of beat around the bush. I didn't get a straight answer. So no, I didn't no, get there, after there wasn't any beating around the bush. You I, right I said four words <laughs> and you're like, yeah. just tell me the frick Truth. You, yeah, I mean, maybe I it. cut him off a little bit, but the, the point is still a good one. If you don't have a DSO, you can only sell to licensed dentists in your state, yep. and that's a very narrow market, and it's a deflated market. It's a market that's getting smaller day Correct. to day. To day exactly. But if you create a DSO, your market is the world, mm -hmm. and that's why you're getting multiples up to 18 times EBITDA in the marketplace. And that's the kind of the discussion you yeah. walked up. That, okay. that was my and that was my question. Okay. Was basically, having. was I I had disclosed to Brian. I said, hey, I had an offer from a private equity. I thought mm -hmm. it was pretty good, mm -hmm. and I didn't. And that was prior to a DSO in place. And and he was like, and I and I actually like this. He was like, that's kind of a it was kind of a weak offer, the multiple, which I dig because obviously, I see there being more upside now in, sure. in terms of doing this and going through the process because. It's probably a pain in the ass to do a DSO. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to pay a lower multiple for a private equity deal because here's the thing. A DSO deal with an established DSO might pay anywhere from five to seven times EBITDA, but it's 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 a low risk deal, lower return, like a bond versus stock. You know, they know what they're doing. If the DSO has 500 offices or 400 offices, your one office that they buy isn't going to make or break them sure. one way or the other. Sure. They're going to pay. They're going to require like a reasonable transition period, maybe a year or two, make sure everything gets transitioned. And if you want to leave, you you can leave at that point and just take the money and go, but the multiple's lower. Mm. A private equity deal is going to be, it's going to require your ongoing involvement. They're going to require a rollover. So if they buy, you know, if they pay, I'm just using silly numbers, you know, ten, five million dollars, you're going to have to roll over 40% of that amount or more, and then you're going to have to stay involved and continue to grow the organization and participate buddy. in a second equity you know, transaction. Is that three, the holdback money that you heard of? Is that the holdback that you hear? No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand. A holdback is for regulatory issues or problems or to make sure you're a good corporate citizen and you, tra and, and you um, transition the practice and don't do anything to hurt the business. Okay, there's, there's escrow, there's holdbacks, and then there's rollover. A rollover is if they pay you a million dollars, you only get 600000 and 40% buy shares in the new entity, and you roll it. it over and then participate in the second equity transaction. So I want to make sure we got our terms down here. These are yep. really good. I'm glad you asked. Mm -hmm. These are really good terms, and I want to make sure we got them correct. But anyway, for a private equity deal that you can't exit and you have to stay involved for another five years, you know, five or six times is too low of a, of a multiple as far as I'm concerned. Those things will typically pay double digits or very high single digits. 
Okay. Well, that's what our friend was, by the way, as a PE deal. We, we met with somebody recently, and they were talking about that with us, these same yeah. terms. And it was, it was predicated on staying on board, right? Yeah, oh, you are now. I mean, this is the thing. I was the if you man. do a DSO deal, very little is asked of you. It's like behave yourself for two years, mm-hmm. transition mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. don't do anything stupid, and you'll get your hold back, and then you can leave. I mean, you could probably stay if you want to and be an employee, or you can leave and move on, and that's the way it is. But on a PE deal, the fate of the second equity transaction and the fate of the organization is on your shoulders because mm-hmm. you've got to hang around mm-hmm. for up to five years and make this happen. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, people have made a killing and a ton of money, but it's a lot of pressure because you have to hang out versus a DSO comes in, it's they a whole stick their name on the door. It's a whole different feeling of the thing, though. Yeah, right. it's and, it's, and it's performance-based. No, That's right. Okay, so you might not get that whole realization. That's right. A lot <laughs> of folks, it looks <laughs> great on paper, but then it doesn't turn out as anticipated, and yeah. you've spent five years of your life, and you don't get the return. Uh, uh, something you said when you were on stage, and we got the chance to hear Brian talk a little bit, and um, some, you said that the way it, the, the dentistry has obviously changed from the way that it, the traditional buy-in model has changed, and it's kind of dead in the water. And you said it a little bit more eloquently, but it got my damn attention real quick. Yeah, I mean, there's an evolution and consolidation in the marketplace right now. The evolution is from doctor-owned single practices or group practices to DSOs. Mm -hmm. And the the evolution is occurring because the market is being flooded with billions of dollars of private equity funds because by creating a DSO, it allows for the participation of non-dentists to invest into the space. And that's what's going on. I mean, you know, know, there's still thousands of solo practitioners out there, mm-hmm. but they're being bought up and consolidated. And I think in the next five to ten years, you know, you're gonna, it's gonna be very, very difficult to function as a solo practitioner. Well, they said right now, I think dermatology is about, I think, fifty or sixty percent consolidated. Right, and it, it, it is now. Now, interestingly enough, I'm glad you mentioned that, Craig, because the market saturation of DSOs right now is right around ten percent. Yeah. So there's a lot of runway. A lot so of runway. It's the most fragmented industry. Yes, it is. Yeah. Has a, it's, a, it's a lot bigger than derm as well. So derm is a right. fraction of what we are. So there's, there's a lot of runway, in, meaning that most are not consolidated, and there's shit tons of value. There's billions or hundreds of billions of dollars of value. There is. There it's is. Kind of a or one point, no, $1.5 billion, correct? It's more than that. It is? It's more than $1.5 billion. I mean, 90% of the market is unconsolidated. Yeah. It's, I, I don't have it with me, but it's way above $1.5 right. I promise you that. So it's kind of a daunting like proposal, or, or I should say, statistics that you give. And when you hear that, you're like, "Holy shit!" Because Dan, I'm just going to give you from the from yeah, a, yes. a dentist perspective, we're already so fearful of this corporate takeover and the powers that are coming. I hear this conversation all the time, not in the context of I want to get out, but mm-hmm. like, "Holy shit, I'm going to get beaten up by yep. the monster that's rolling in town." So, what advice do you have from the single practitioner ground game that can still prosper? From your perspective, I have education is all I can do. Okay, I tell people, you know, I can't like make the sky be green instead of blue. But what I can do is I can educate people, and I liken this to, you know, people were rather unhappy that all of the mom and pop shops closed down and WalMarts moved into community. Sure, I mean, people exactly. don't like to see, to hear that, yep. and you know, on a human level, 
I can appreciate that and understand it, but on a just pragmatic level, well, it's happened. Sorry. And I say the same thing with respect to dentistry. You don't have no. to like it. I don't want to make somebody like something. I mean, you, you, can, you can shed a tear and say it's a shame and it's unfortunate, but make no mistake about it, it is happening, and you need to understand the forces in the marketplace so you can react and best position your organization. And, you know, the sad thing that I, you know, I, I feel like I'm compelled to say it on this podcast, even though some folks might not want to hear it, is 10 years from now, there's not going to be very much opportunity for a solo practitioner. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't make the rules. I'm not causing it, but I feel like I have to be truthful in my evaluation and assessment of the market. So if you are a solo practitioner right now, or you're graduating dental school and you have eyes on maybe buying or acquiring or opening up a practice, you need to understand the transformation that's going on in the marketplace and you need to have a plan that, you know, that fits with what's going on right now. If your plan is, oh, I just opened up this office and I'm going to keep it for 30 years, then I'm going to get an associate and he's going to buy it. No, that, that will not work <coughs> there, anymore. There is, that, that I is not I want, an opportunity. Brian, for I want to challenge you on one thing. Go ahead. So there is room for this iconic solo practitioner to exist in the market, but he's got to be freaking amazing, like the celebrity yes. no, dentist no, no, no. out there. There's, no. there's 1% of the market that Correct. will remain unaffected. It's awesome that you said that because I spoke last week in Florida, and you know what I said? I said, if you're the dentist to the stars right, right, or you're the dentist on right. the military base and everybody right. goes to you, there will be. I mean, it's not going to be zero. Right. There will be an opportunity for that standout solo practitioner. I mean, I'm so glad but you, gotta you be a said rock that star. because be I'm right on the same page with you, but it's going to be 1%. That person. Yeah, that's the problem. No, I'm <laughs> talking about there are real there are real dental rock stars. No, no, but it's got to be not, a real not, unique yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah, you're just an awesome run-of-the-mill regular dentist. No, 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 that's not going to work. The problem is dentists have a real hard time understanding that they aren't that person. Right, right, right. right. Um, but, you know, one of the unfortunate things is that for the last 20 years, people have been saying what you're saying, Brian, that it's the end of the solo practice. For 20 years, I, I, I get it. It's so it, true. I, but I, be, so I, true. I believe it. Yeah. I, I actually believe yeah. it. That's and you're why a fourth-generation dentist, so you've right, seen it and right. heard it and talked to it. Well, I'm a third-generation dentist, but thank you. Oh. Coachman's a fourth-generation dentist. Oh, sorry. Dentist. I get yeah. my... Yeah, he got me confused with greatness. But so, <laughs> so what, what happens is that we become so sensitized to this that it's, it's exactly right. It's 20, the carries vaccine. 20 years it's, now. it's the thing they've been saying forever. Right. Like, oh, it's whatever. almost like it's one exactly of those global right. warming things. You've been hearing global warming for right. 20 sure, years right. sure, now. They're sure. certain it's happening, but sure. you hear it over I, and over I know, again. But, and people but you got to understand you know, there's dentists that are probably more like Alan and my age that have right. heard this for 20 years. Like it's all the shit storm is coming. There's a tidal wave of corporate. Right. You're going to be out of business. So I, I, it, there is a very strong shift. And it will. I do agree with you that the solo practitioner that is not a true rock star will have have a very tough go yeah. but we've heard it for so long when yeah. is it actually going when do you believe this prophecy I will think come? he just said 10 years I, but no I'm no I, I do it has I mean the statistics bear out that it's happening mm -hmm. oh, now, yeah, something yeah. good for the dental industry I mean if you're a fan of solo practitioners and I'm many not. of us are no no I'm not I'm just saying I, I don't pass judgment on anything I'm just saying if you are a big fan of the solo practitioner model the good news is there's so many of them mm -hmm. it's going to take 10 years sure. to buy them up so when I speak nationally 
Italy. I don't ever, I'm not here to panic people. The sky is not falling. If you love being a solo practitioner, you got several years left. I mean, don't panic, but it's happening. Oh, and, I and I feel like it's going to be, you know, 10 years now. Is it going to be 12 and a half? I mean, I, yeah. I don't have an exact crystal ball, but that's what we're looking at. Interesting. So the funny thing is, is you, you're looking at it from a, a roller perspective and the right. PE and the, and the corporate. I look at it from a patient comedian's perspective. Patients are demanding, or at least they're educated. They want same-day dentistry. They want a right. specialist on site. So it's really the age of the consumer now. We have Amazon drop shipping stuff, uh, drop shipping stuff to your, uh, drop shipping shit to your house. Exactly. Drop. You got it. Drop You've shipping. You've got direct shit. to consumer models. Right. But they don't care. They, the patient doesn't care if it's a cons you know yeah. a corporate entity or not. Right. As long so as it's going to be the patient that drives this. I would argue the patient might not even know. They something won't know. that's they won't fascinating. Know. They won't to know, me. and they, they might. Know. They certainly won't care. They, but won't they care. probably won't even but know. But also, yeah. we got to we got to so, something that's that's just fascinating to me, Alan. That I, that I, I learned maybe a year ago. I, I wasn't fully aware of this. Is dentistry is one of the few fields where they really don't care the consumer about the dentist. Like, you know, with your orthopedic surgeon that's doing your knee or your family practitioner, you're kind of hiring that human being. But with a dentist, most folks, unless they've had just an extraordinary amount of dental work done and they've bonded with their yeah. dentist, if they're normal, yeah. they hygienist. show up and this is what they need. Yeah. They want the right location. They want it to take their insurance plan. They want the right hours. Yeah. And if the convenience are there, I've seen it. You can change the owner four yeah, times in true. a year, and they you don't can. care. The dentist is the guy that comes in and tells a joke and gives you a lollipop and leaves. And yeah. you know, it's if it's a true. different guy, they it's don't care. It's unfortunate, but it's true. It, it is. But yeah, what's, right. what what I'm interested in is right now the the corporate models that are out there are the first or second generation of corporate. I believe there's a Ritz Carlton. DSO coming. No, 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 no. I believe there's a there's did, a Nike. <clears throat> did you DSO hear coming. when when I spoke at the at my firm's DSO conference in New Orleans back in um, June of 2017? I said we're in the third generation. This is awesome, Craig, that you're talking about this stuff. You and I are really on on a, on a really g g close wavelength here because one. First generation were what people called chain, yeah. you know, offices, lower end, you know, uh, catered to Medicaid right. and other things. Right. You know, if you were a higher end person, you probably wouldn't go yeah, to those locations. Yeah. The second ones generation were a little improvement over that. The first ones were all single branded. They all had the same name. Right. The second one might not have been s single branded, but was still like you know, run-of-the-mill, middle-class sort of experience, a little bigger audience. The third generation, all bets are off. Oh, Weekend yeah. hours, oh, yeah. evening hours. The fourth I generation go, is I, like Rich Carlton. I go where they know everybody's name. Where I go right now, it's a DSO. It's private equity backed in Dallas. I probably shouldn't mention the name, but where I go, basically, you walk in there and it's um, Mrs. Fields cookies. Now, how are you going to treat cavities with Mrs. Fields cookies? That's I never figured business, that out. Yeah. But Mrs. Fields cookies, Gatorade in the refrigerator, Gatorade. The, nice. the the PlayStation room for the kids. Um, you know. Uh, just a super, super high-end office, and you would never know it was private equity-backed, except I set it up, so of course I know. Mm -hmm. But the people that go there would have no idea. Sure. It's ultra high-end, rich. That's why I said, is Craig, you mentioned. Is it It's not. Is it <laughs> what? It's <laughs> a big thing. My, my niece works there, as a matter of fact. I'm very familiar with yeah. mint dentistry. Sexy teeth is their bulletin. Oh, but yeah, no, mint, that, yeah. that's, that's not what I'm it's, – it's not. I don't go there. But, but look, it's super, super high-end, and um, you would never – 
suspect that it was a DSO, but it absolutely is. And that's what's going on, and it's locally branded. Yeah. That particular private equity group has 15 locations. Oh, wait. I think I know who this is. We'll talk afterwards. Fine. It, but, In but Dallas? It is. Yeah, But awesome that particular guy. one has got, you know, Uptown Daniel, Galleria Daniel, oh, Downtown I know who this Daniel. Is. They're all different names. Yeah. It's not like a single brand. Yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk off, off, we'll talk off That's where I go. Yeah, that's me, where I go. But that's an iconic DSO. I yeah, think that was one of the true. highest valuations it ever, though, wonderful. right? Is it Wasn't it one of the highest? I don't go there. The highest valuation ever is a client of yeah. mine, and that's not what I'm talking yeah, about. But you know who I'm talking about. I know exactly yeah, yeah, who you're talking about. Wait, I'm that's curious. a client of mine, too. Yeah. I'm curious. What was the highest valuation? Highest valuation in the DSO industry. This is public. I mean, it really yeah. is. It's um, Decadental. Yeah. Um, Suleiman. Suleiman, Ahmed, and yeah. Rodney Alls. Two JRD, clients of mine. Really yeah. good guys. They got the, 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 It's widely accepted. That's I've seen them buddy. speak. They've gotten 18.2 times. They've okay. talked about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's public, so. Yeah, real, but that's a that. wonderful DSO. I mean, it from is outside wonderful. Looking, I, that's not amazing. my personal dentist, right. but they are that's wonderful. That's what I was thinking uh, Absolutely wonderful. Time, it's our most important asset. And I want to thank you for using your time to listen to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Also want to encourage you to do two things right now. Take out your phone, text the word Bulletproof to the number 345345. What that's going to do is put you on our uh for lack of better words, a mailing list that's going to send out uh, text messaging and email just whenever we have announcements, whether it's the Bulletproof Summit that's coming up in October, uh, book launch, um, or just giving access to some some private stuff that's inside the Bulletproof community. So I encourage you to just uh, take two seconds and whip that out and uh, text it to us. Again, text the word Bulletproof to 345-345. Secondly, Please, if you're if you're loving the podcast, go ahead and um, click on your phone again and and click on the review and review us in in iTunes. We really appreciate it, just so we get some feedback. And again, if it's if it's a five star, awesome, bring it. But if it's one, like put that down and let us know how we can do better. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Brian, I have a question for you. Then going coming off full circle from massive size you guys are talking about what is there a critical mass to when someone should be looking at a dso you know that's been a moving target right today you'll see it with two offices today because the goal is to roll grow it and roll it up i mean if you really i was talking to some gentlemen earlier before craig and peter walked up alan that basically were telling me they had a single practice and that's all they ever wanted to do and I said you know if that's really all you want to do just operate your single office as efficiently and profitably Mm -hmm. as you can and someday you're going to sell it to a DSO or something but you don't need to mess with this just do the best you can sure but if you're going to expand beyond a single office that's when you got to think about a DSO well just you told me I I told you my one you said I have to I have to get a DSO though well because yours now I mean I don't know how much of your personal information we want to talk about on the podcast but suffice it to say yours was very large yeah it was was a large seven to ten dental practices I I mean something like that where you've got what I call you know a super practice a super location you should do a DSO because somebody will buy that as a freestanding entity and the only way they can do that as if it's a DSO. But if you have a standard, you know, solo practice, you, you don't have to necessarily do that. Got it. But I've seen it, Peter, as two, two offices, three offices. I mean, that's the time to start thinking about this. 
So, but it's but it's an office thing, not an aggregate revenue. It can no no no. What they buy is aggregate revenue. That's a great point that you make because if you've got three offices but they're all super super mediocre, you're not doing yourself any favors by having three instead of one. I'd rather take one super profitable office than three mediocre ones. But all things being equal, when I use these terms, let's say you have. You know, each each unit is a million dollar practice and profitable. You know, two or three would be where I would start doing uh, a DSO. Do you think, just out of curiosity, obviously selfish reasons you're asking this question, but do you think the future holds uh, much promise for the dental hospital? I mean, Walmart sells milk because consumers want convenience. Do you think uh, I'm in, uh, I'm being uh, overly optimistic about the dental hospital? Or do you think there's merit there in that valuation, that model? You mean the surgery center? No, no, multi-specialty, one-stop shop, you know, 10 dentists in one box. I know they're not out there. I mean, uh, they're they're, they're very rare. I mean, what the DSOs are trying to do is they're trying to implement one-stop shopping. I mean, what they'll do is if you're a large DSO and you've got, you know, you're in DF Dallas, Fort Worth, where I am, DFW area, you'll have an office. And you'll have an orthodontist on site. It might only be a day or two a week, but they'll be there. You'll have an oral yeah. surgeon that comes one day a week. You'll have an endodontist, and they might be independent contractors, but they're not stupid. Yeah, they the don't want to refer model. anything out. Right, right. If you present yourself at that DSL office and you need your wisdom teeth extracted, they want an oral surgeon or somebody yeah. for that. If you need a root canal, they yeah. want an endodontist. If you have got need braces of some nature, they want to have an orthodontist there. I mean, they don't want to, if they're private equity back, to send any services out. But it, what's interesting, too, is as a, as a general dentist, that's a great practice to practice in. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. seriously. It's more like, like school. Get, that's why I built mine. I love the academic nature of it. Exactly. It is, it is like that. But, but, like, the other thing is, is like, uh, I mean, you can, I think there's, there's a lot of efficiencies you gain there. I mean, obviously not referring people out, but, I mean, like, as a general dentist, this is a great place to be. It's a great place yeah, to be. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, what I guess what I'm saying, there's an appeal to actually being a dentist in that oh, yeah. place. Well, the well appeal, as, as well as Alan, is, I mean, I mean, there might be a professional appeal just to be it, among those that's colleagues. What I, yeah, that's what that's I, what I was yeah. talking about, the bottom line Clearly, appeal. clearly, if there's advantages on all sides. If you're getting some type of bonus based on the economic performance of that practice, sure. and you ain't got to refer nothing out, yeah. everything stays there, yeah, yeah. the financial benchmarks are going to be higher in yeah. your personal Personally, yeah. going to be compensated. There's a lot of I know you there. were talking about professionals. Yeah. I was, but I, I, I was can talking see about both, I can see all the sides yeah. of it. It's pretty cool. Alan, actually. don't you think? Don't you think that the, the the cottage industry is kind of under attack for a number of reasons? That like we talked about Amazon just for a second, and Amazon and the Ubers make it super easy in our life. But in dentistry, we have this cottage industry. Is like, hey, I'm the general dentist. You need to get in your car, drive over to see my buddy, the endodontist, and then have him come back over. Like, we make it so damn difficult. We do make people it are not going to tolerate that in the yep. era of that. And I've talked about this a lot. I know I beat that point. But it scares the shit out of me because I think that's the ground game that corporate is saying, hey, we're going to become Amazon and Uberish, so yeah. people will hit the easy button well, and choose us over the cottage Peter, industry. Peter, never mind corporate. Invisalign's opening up storefronts. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Just like, scan, like, come and get scanned. You don't even need there. Yeah, you don't even need dentists. They're yeah. going in high now what, you're talking, now, what you're referring to, I mean, let's be clear because there's a lot of misinformation in the marketplace, and some of these folks are my clients, so I want to be clear about it. You're talking about a direct-to-consumer, doctor, uh, Doc, doctor directed clear aligner program. No, I'm talking, talking about, about Invisalign actually has a pilot store in San Francisco right now, a scanning center, and they're opening up many more. And that's from Invisalign. It's public. But it's still it's still the it's but still the the doctor, doctor direct, directed, but it's directed. Doctor. Right. Invisalign is doing it, but 
doesn't Invisalign own a bunch of them? I forget the brand. Yeah, Smile Direct. Yeah, okay, Smile so Direct. I mean, so they're like Smile that's Direct. sort of the, yeah, that's sort of the same. Well, what what Invisalign was finding is that they have their doctor locator pro program, and they would they they spend millions of, of dollars a year on advertising. Patients call, prospective patients call Invisalign. They farm them out to dentists. Dentists are fumbling to yeah, get them in no, in time, yeah, and yeah. the experience in the call is so bad. Invisalign's, you know what? We'll just do. We'll open up a scanning center. We'll send you directly to our scanning center. We'll scan it. We'll do everything, we'll and then the when they're committed yeah. and they're financed and everything's good, then we'll hand it off because the yeah. dentists are so incompetent they can't even give them the leads. I, I'm only so it's like you know we get. It's true. But I it's mean, true. I know. I get it. It's I get true. It. It's, it's actually true. That's horrible. But it's it's a testament to what we do. We can't. We can't manage our own inflow. We make it so hard. Yep. FMX, and we have to do all the stuff. There's another way to to make it easier for patients to engage in the dentistry that they want to get yeah. without having the, the traditional model. In my humble opinion. No, I mean, I mean, the, the, you know, there are a lot of revolutionary models out there that are direct to consumer, doctor directed aligners, and I think if you do it correctly in a regulatory compliant way, we've assisted some folks in the marketplace with that. And if you do it correctly, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I think it's going to change the face of dentistry, and that's a yeah. really well, good it's, thing. It, it, what's funny? It's, uh, and I'm just. Dentists are very emotional about that, and it's not. I it's love not, it. It's I mean, the American it's business, Association. It's not a business decision is, that way. It's like, yeah. it's, there's a lot of emotion. I would have gone into dentistry had it said, "Hey, you're going to have to go work for someone in a big time entity." I would have been like, "I'm good. I'm not going to do." Well, dentistry. no, because the big time entity that you have to work with now is not that sexy. Because yep. we're only on second or third generation. There is a fifth generation corporate that's so freaking sexy. You and I would sign up. Okay. We really would, and and I mean all the headaches that we have to deal with. It, you would sign up. There is a yeah. There well, is a compelling. There is a compelling future. But I wanted to touch on what yeah. Alan said because the the multi specialty yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. I thought, you know, there's a book called the Cleveland Clinic Way. I don't know if you've ever sure, read it. Sure, I've heard of it. I have not read it, but I've heard of it. But that was like the impetus for why I wanted to have a multi specialty center because there is peer pressure with doctors makes them better. And there is a it learning. Does. There's a learning effect like that. We only had two years of clinic in, in our schools and yep. dental schools. Yep. But there's something special that goes on, like especially with you, with your with your you know your superstar dentist with the 3D printers. You're like, what is he doing? You know, oh, I could use that 3D printer for this, or we could do that. So there's an academic nature that winds up, I think, guiding. Um, guiding to a more multidisciplinary center versus the itinerant specialty model, yeah. which is, I mean, you're what you're dealing with is really about the profitability, and we're the artists here trying to figure out how it to is, survive. It is funny too because it's you're, I, you. You work with dentists, so you know we're all bunch up in our heads and our hearts and yeah. stuff like that. But it's very real. I, I totally agree with you. And the other thing is, I would tell you, I would love to practice with more dentists. Because yeah. okay, this meeting is is a testament to the fact that we're social creatures. Yeah. You know, this is this is the kind of interaction that we have. And I mean, like, having that within your own practice, can you yeah. imagine? I mean, like, I know it's not important that it's fun, but as a social creature, how oh, great yeah, would it be no, to go it. to work and like working That's with people? That's what Peter says with me. It's like, I, I understand why you love going to work. I high-five high Lawyer's people. about to kick us in the yeah, nuts. Right? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, no I, mean, I mean, I think it's critical that you enjoy what you do. I enjoy well, coming your to longevity and your longevity there yes, is better that correct. way. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's a, and at the end of the day, it's a relationship-based practice. And my stigma with corporate dentistry is, oh, you're going to see someone different every time. And I don't like that, you know, dentistry already has a bad enough rap. Kind of like lawyers, right? Every, well, yeah. <laughs> no, we're know. not that bad, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Peter. Say, we're fine. Peter, we're, we're not that bad. Holy yeah, but I'm buying the drinks tonight. Yeah, so that's the lawyers are great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and the koozies, by the way. I wish they could see these. Take one of those. Take them koozies. Nice. So at least for tonight, don't say anything bad about, I guess, my firm. If you yeah. want to say bad oh, things about no. it's the other no, guys. I mean, God, it, those other guys are uh, awful. Yeah. All kidding aside, Brian, I've heard unbelievable things from everybody. Like everybody says, the only firm to go to 
for sure. is, is Dagama for DSOs, for partnerships, for everything dental. That's why I, we sought you out on this yeah, big crowd. We, we were literally hunting you. you down to, to come Well, no, to this you. is awesome. I'm really glad we're all able to chat right now. This is all, I'm having fun. But like I said, like Alan said, I mean, you have to enjoy what you do. And when I started practicing law, you know, I had to go to court and try lawsuits and deal with angry judges and clients. And it was just not that fun. And Wasn't the longevity, your deal, yeah. you just couldn't see yourself doing that decade after decade. But since I've gotten into, you know, dentistry and uh, we're doing all of these mergers and acquisitions and roll-ups and I see the value and everybody's happy when it closes. Yep. I mean, it's a new lease on life. That I is mean, pretty cool. You That's feel awesome. like That's you can do this for a long time sure. doing this. Well, sure. you're helping people, which yes, is awesome. exactly right. And when you're helping people, you exactly get fulfillment right. and it fuels you for a passion. It's an awesome. interesting thing, though, I think that happens is our goal is always to, well, a lot of dentists want to grow and expand, right, and, and just keep growing and look at my revenues. I'm raising revenues. And then you ask the question to Craig, who's going to buy you at that point? So the goal yeah. is grow so yeah. big, but then you limit your chance, you yep. limit your opportunity for <laughs> exiting from yep. the conventional standpoint of, right? So it's this, it's this opposite. Do you see the dichotomy of my thought process is like, well, I always I, see the dichotomy in your, in your thought up. process. Well, I, I guess, Peter, um, if you structure as a DSO, then you can create a bidding war potentially for a highly profitable office as long as you're a DSO and non-dentists are allowed to participate in the transaction. If you create a highly successful super dental office and you don't create a DSO and the only people that can buy it are licensed dentists, yep. you're going to artificially deflate your value. Yeah, your you're going to do is yourself a, a terrible disservice. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that conversation with one of your junior partners like, hey, my buddy's a lawyer. He actually wants to buy and he's willing to pay me 11 times. But that's kind of... Yeah, and I have a problem with that. I mean, personally, because it's like handing the baton over to someone who really doesn't have the vested interest. No, but he like, may bring a different skill set, a complimentary skill set. But no, I'm not saying from an attorney. I'm just uh. saying like an investor, anyone. Like I personally have a problem with it because maybe that's just me being emotional. I love well, the it. Best, profession, but which is what it you're is saying. super funny though. That's that's a dental thing, and I'm. Uh, it isn't bad or good. It kind of is. Yeah. You know, like the right. I love it because it drives values higher for sure. all of us. Sure. No, e economically, you can't even debate it. It's better. Peter makes a good point though, emotionally, and as a stickler for professionalism. I mean, what is the quality? It's the first time I've ever talked about emotions going, with a lawyer. Just you know, be, well, <laughs> no, because I deal with it. You know, maybe not, Alan, but I deal with it every day. No, I you know, know you must. You must practice, see it, and, right? Yeah, and the struggle and, must be real. To, for, it, for it, you. it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, economically, there's no debate. It's yeah, better, it's better this way. Yes. but from a professional standpoint, Peter's point is one that I hear every day of the week. You know, is the quality. What's going to happen to the quality if we do this? But I think if the organization is structured appropriately, think about this for a second. You guys didn't, you, you went to dental school. You did not go to business school. So you didn't, I mean, every now and then you got a rare person that went to both. But you mm -hmm. didn't. Nobody taught you how to negotiate a lease. Nobody taught you how to be in charge of HR. Nobody taught you, you know, how to negotiate supplier contracts and buy equipment. They taught you clinically how to treat patients. Now, if a DSO is done correctly, and all of a sudden, you introduce skilled business folks, Wharton business folks, Harvard business folks, and all they do all day long is, we'll handle HR, we'll handle legal, we'll handle negotiate. Yeah. We want to negotiate these contracts. We don't know anything about filling cavities, but we want to dive in and lower overhead and do all these things. So all you got to do with your life, Peter and Craig, 
is come up with clinical innovations. That's like wonderful. when you're trying to operate your office, typically you're like, well, I'm trying to do clinically, but I got to negotiate this lease. I got to hire this person. I got to yeah, fire this we person. We always say the dentist is crazy. Everyone, I can't right, do right, this right. stuff, right? But that, if yep. somebody says you are relieved of everything but clinical, now all of a sudden you're saying, wow. Why are we scheduling patients that way? We should do it this way. We can see twice as many patients. Oh, my God. Who came up with this clinical protocol? Yeah. I mean, it's not wrong, but it takes all day to do this procedure. If we do it this way, we can see four people in a day or whatever it is. So now the clinicians focus on what they do best, and you start to achieve clinical innovations. The business people, there's some of them are really sick and demented. They're like, I want to negotiate that lease. I can't wait to jump into the middle of this thing. But that's what they do. So you get the best of both worlds. From a business standpoint, you've achieved operational efficiencies. And that. now from a clinical standpoint, you've really been able to focus just on building a better mousetrap. So that's the bandwidth. other side yeah. of it. That's, that's, that's the that's other third side generation of it. I just DSM. want yeah. so third generation. It was generation. not present in right. one and two, right. but third and fourth just like as we move Zappos on. Zappos gives you a 365-day return policy. Right. They will be 10-year, like the DSOs of the future, this third generation will give you a 15-year guarantee Ooh, or whatever. I mean, they'll have it all. I mean, it won't be a quality issue. I think they'll be able to treat the dentist We're doing well that. We're doing with some of our clients warranties and yeah, yeah because it'll be so easy. You know, all you got, it'll be digital. Just print again. It's yeah. like okay, yeah. print, print, yeah. print one more crown. Yeah. Print, print, print. Here's one in a box. If it breaks, just yeah. take this. Here's one. a spare. Yeah. Here's yeah. a spare. I got a spare. for you. You have a denture for each room of the house. Right. I mean, exactly. It'll be it really. We did a podcast with the digital denture people. They're like, it's that cheap. You could yeah. totally do that. So yeah, wow, it's crazy. By, by achieving operational efficiencies in their labs, mm -hmm. some of them have in-house labs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it is. It's a brave new world. It is. It's a little it scary. Is. It's a brave this is really this is really cool that you guys like. I'm glad. I'm glad that hey, you're in. Some it. of the best stuff happens impromptu, and honestly, it sort of does. No, this has been an awesome, as far as I'm concerned, an awesome session here. You can tell I'm everybody. not a seasoned podcaster because literally we're having that conversation, and nothing in my head, or probably yours, Greg, yeah. was saying like, "Hey, we should record this. Yeah. This is probably going to be it's, awesome." Uh, listen, it yeah. happens all the time. But what, what's funny? This, I'm curious what you think of this meeting. Like, this is a different, this is like a super weird, different kind of meeting. What do you think? Yeah, I like this meeting. I mean, I really, really do. I, I got to be honest. I don't know, you know, from the standpoint of just selfishly, the meetings where I get the biggest, you know, oh, yeah, amount yeah, of this, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are deals where there's DSOs of course, and a of lot course. more group practices. Pretty focused, But one yeah. where I just enjoy coming here yeah. and exchanging ideas. Because like you said, there is a, even an element among lawyers of how hard as it is to believe of professionalism. It's not all <laughs> right. about the money. Yeah. And this conference, to come here and share, you know, best practices and ideas, even on this podcast to do it, is really a treat for me. So I love this conference. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be as lucrative as some of the others just from the standpoint of people that need, you know, a DSO lawyer. For sure. But from for a sure. standpoint of really enjoying myself and exchanging ideas on where the space is headed, this is a wonderful I think conference. That's, I, think I love it. What's cool Absolutely about it is the, the podcasting it. space is a lot about ideas yeah. and, and – uh, and creating awareness is yeah. what you've done. That's what yeah. you know. That's what I, for yeah. sure. This is this is really cool. It's really cool. And thank you so much for for supporting it, man. It's great. No, it's my a, pleasure. We're to be new here, at this. Alan. I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna continue to get bigger. But this is this is very cool. Well, like, it, it looks like at five X from last year. Yeah, <laughs> it feels Seriously. like it. it I, I mean, mean, the venue is a lot better, but it's just like there's a lot of people. And I mean, it's it's almost eight o'clock, and like and everyone is, is still if, here. If people yeah. can see that's like never happens. Right? Yeah, it never happens to dental stuff. Yeah, right. Craig actually asked me on the phone. He said when he was flying, he's like, "How is it?" I said, "Man, energy's pretty good." And usually, energy's not good. I mean, all the time at dental stuff because it's like, oh, yeah, totally. When can 
I go to the pool? L last last year's was good. The energy is the same as last year. This year's. is a second bigger. year, right? Yeah. yeah. It's bigger. Venue's much better. And honestly, I just feel like I feel like we're in the right direction. But I really yeah. appreciate your support. It's yeah, great. that was awesome, Brian. This was yeah, awesome. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Thanks so a ton much. for being on, guys. Excellent All right, stuff. terrific. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at BulletproofDentalPractice.com. We'll catch you next time.